Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, we're going to talk about something tonight, and and I know it's going to bleed into next week. Um, You know, we're at the end of the year, and... uh, it's been a tough year for, in a lot of ways. It's been a challenging year. Um, we've had many things, you know, that have, that have gone on that we've had to, you know, kind of work around and work through, and, and that's great. 2021, we're expecting to be, you know, a glorious year. It's been a glorious year in spite of all the challenges. I mean, when you, when you actually lay it aside and start looking at all the wonderful things God has done among us, I mean, we have, we've just been blessed, folks. Uh, in so many ways. But, you know, at the end of the year, it's always a good time to stop and take stock, you know, of how the year has gone and what we want the next year to look like. And one of the things that we can always do is, you know, it comes New Year's Day, you know, you always do the New Year's resolution business. But, you know, there is a time for stopping and taking stock of how our life has been and, and the things that we've encountered this year and what we can do differently next year to make it even better. And so tonight's subject, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Uh, You know, and I I go at this because I've I've had it on my heart for weeks to talk about this. And and it just seems like today, you know, this this last couple of weeks of the the year is, is a good time to do this. And, you know, there's been so much animosity in our country this year, and it's, and it's been difficult to walk in love, you know, in a lot of ways. Politics has certainly been one of them. I mean, I've heard story after story after story from people who, who tell me about how good friends are no longer friends because of a political stance that, you know, I, I heard one story, and I want, and it's from somebody here that told me about somebody they know that has, um, a, you know, has grown son and daughter-in-law who recently had a baby this year, and because mom is on one side of the political aisle and the children are on the other side of the political aisle, she's not allowed to see this new grandbaby. Is that crazy or what? You know, and so there's just a lot of areas that we just need to, to kind of look at. We need to kind of take a good peek at them and just see, is there something I need to take care of as this year comes to a close? in this area of forgiveness, you know, because walking in love is not an option. Galatians 5 talks about the fact that we, that our faith works by love. If you're having a a faith problem, you might want to check up on your love. That might be a good place to to stop and take stock of and just see, is there, is there something here I should, I should really be mindful of? Uh, John 13, 34 says a new commandment that you uh, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, God did not wait for man to ask for forgiveness before he sent his son. He sent his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world. Nobody had asked him, oh, God, I need a savior. Nobody knew they needed one. You know, but he loved us so much in spite of, I mean, he had a, he had a history of man, dealing with man over those, ye- those thousands of years to know what man was like. 
You know, and yet he still chose to send Jesus, and Jesus still chose to come here. I think that's just the ultimate in the kind of forgiveness that he already was extending to us. Now, you know, on the other, on the other side of it, it's, it's our choice whether to accept that forgiveness or not. But Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That says it all, doesn't it? You know, if you remember the parable that Jesus told about the the servant whose master forgave him this enormous debt, enormous debt, and then he turned around and refused to forgive another servant that was below him of a small debt. You know, God expects us to forgive like he forgives you know, and, and over in John thirteen thirty five, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. Now, really, it doesn't mean just love toward your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is primarily who he's talking about. But he expects you to walk in love toward people who are not born again, just like Michelle's doing right now on her job. God expects you to, to demonstrate his love to anybody and everybody that's in your world. Uh, it's, it's one of the best ways in the world to witness to somebody. That in spite of how mean or how rude or how nasty or hard to get along with they are, that you still walk in love toward Even though they do something that's, that's unjust to you, that you can still look at them and just forgive them. Now, that's a huge witness to people. Because if anybody, you know, when somebody knows they're wrong... You don't have to tell them. But as soon as you try to shove it in their face, suddenly, you know, the hackles come up and they just feel like they're justified in what they've done. You know, you know it just makes them dig in their heels. And, and so you, you don't want to do that. But, you know, it's incumbent on us to just walk in love toward anybody and everybody. God's not pleased anytime there's strife. I tell you what, strife in and of itself is such a horrendous thing because it generates more strife. If you, if you ever walk into a room where the two people have been fighting or arguing, it's tangible. And if you stay there very long, you're going to get, just like they are. Well, it's not surprising. James 3.16, go over there. It's, it's, it's contagious. It's like a rotten, one rotten apple, you know, in a barrel just contaminates all the rest. You know, I buy a lot of fruit for pastor, and, and honestly, now I've gotten to the place where I try to take the containers of fruit and, and turn it every which way so I can make sure as best I can that there's no mold on any one piece of fruit like grapes or or strawberries, or blueberries, or blackberries. You know, I'm, I'm looking all around just to make sure that there's no, there's no mold, there's no nothing, you know, there. Because what happens is it contaminates the rest of the fruit in that package. And before long, you've lost half of it. I've thrown away so much fruit, you know, the last few months because, you know, it's just one or two in the bottom that I couldn't see, contaminated the rest, and made them bad, had to just throw it all out. But here in James 3.16, it says, For where is envying and strife, 
there is confusion in every evil work. That word confusion in several other translations comes out to unrest, disorder, disharmony. I tell you, it just feeds on itself. And somebody has to put a stop to it. Somewhere, somebody has to put a stop to it. And, and so that's up to us. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of a story that a, a pastor friend of ours told us that they have, I don't know, like seven kids. I think five of them are girls. Can you imagine such a household? Ooh. And uh, I figured in my house, one was enough. You know, that's why I had all boys. <laughs> that, all that belonged to me. Uh, but anyway, I, I remember her telling me this story about her, a couple of her daughters, how uh, she was listening from another room and and one daughter was just being so mean to the other one. And in a few minutes later, you know, the, the one who was being so mean came in where her mom was and said, Mom, I sure do love you. And she looked at her and said, I am not impressed. You know, God says the same thing to us if we're listening. When we're in strife and unforgiveness with one of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, he is not impressed. When you come and say, oh, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. He's going, if you loved me, you would not be in strife with your sister. You would not be in strife with your brother. You would have let that go. Sometimes we think, you know, we, you know, we can get away with that. No, no. God holds us to account with that kind of stuff. He holds us accountable for the attitudes that we hold on to when it comes to other people. We have got to let go of those things and walk in forgiveness toward them. Uh, you know, uh, there's 1 Corinthians 13. You, you all know that, you know, really well. But if, if we actually obeyed 1 Corinthians 13, we would always be in a place that was in, in right perfectly in line with, with God. I mean, let's read it. We're going to read it out of the Amplified here. And it says, starting in verse 4, love endures long. Sometimes we got endurance that, 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 you know, would put a mice to shame. You know, that got no endurance whatsoever. I mean, it just, I mean, we're, you know, the, the match goes from, you know, suddenly goes off. And, and we're, we're off and running here. Zero to 60 in about two seconds kind of a thing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Listen to this one, next one. It is not touchy, or fretful, or resentful. Some people won't, don't, don't adhere to the touchy part. They just say, well, I'm sensitive. No, you're not, you're touchy. Don't call it something it's not. Don't try to prettify it. Just call it what it is. You are touchy. You are insensitive. You are sensitive to everything. You are touchy. So when somebody uses the word sensitive, you go back and say, you mean touchy? That might not get you many points, but you know. 
Uh, speaking the truth in love. <laughs> it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It's not saying that nobody ever does you evil. It says that you take no account of it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Let it go. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. It's a shame there's not more people here tonight. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. How often have we found ourselves ready to believe something that's not the best? Mm. You know, it, it would really be good if when somebody comes and tries to fill your ears with something about another person that you immediately say, no, I choose to believe the best about them and stop that in its tracks. What a wonderful thing that would be to keep strife from spreading. Oh, let's see, where were we? Uh, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Okay, Lord, I've got about this much love in the tank today. When it's used up, you know, it's used up. I'm gone. It's, I'm out of here. No, love never comes to an end. It's always prevailing. Because why? The love of God's on the inside of you. Is there any capacity that God's got in his love for it to run out? Oh, thank God, no. I depend on that every single day. And thank God his mercies are new every morning. And his love never fails me. That he's ever, his love is ever toward me. He expects us to learn to walk in that same kind of love, that same kind of forgiveness, that same kind of believing the best, you know, pushing people to be their best, expecting the best, speaking the best about them. You know, he expects the same thing because he's doing that for us. And, and so, you know, that's what we need to do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not like offenses won't come. Go with me over to Luke 17, verse 1. There is no, there's no bubble that you can live in where you're never going to have the opportunity to, be get, to get offended with somebody or to get in strife with somebody. In Luke, right here, he said, Jesus said in the very first verse, he said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. It's impossible. You live with people all around you. And some people say, well, I could just go live on an island by myself. Listen, you'll find a way to offend yourself (laughs) on that island, I promise you. Because you're a human being. And human beings have a tendency to do this while we're all working on ourselves. And one of the ways we work on ourselves is to be in fellowship with one another so that we can rub the rough edges off of one another. You get to practice, you know, with your brothers and sisters in the Lord about what it's like to walk in love because they're supposed to be able to forgive you. You know, that way when you go out into the world, this is easier with people who don't know what you know. 
Got it? Okay, but forgiveness is a two-way street. Go with me to Mark 11. Mark 11. We love Mark 11. Whoever says to this mountain, be cast in the sea, but shall not doubt in his heart, believe those things when he says, he'll have whatever he says. But in verse 25, he gives you a caution. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Listen, when you stand praying, I bet you a lot of times your own spirit will bring up something that you need to deal with. If you're praying about a situation that needs to change, you're praying about some need that you've got. If you've got praying about something you'd just like to have, Lord, I'm believing you for a, you know, a new car. I've got a car, and it's, it's, a, it's an okay car, but I'd really like to have a new car. Well, when you stand praying, forgive. It doesn't matter what, what you're praying about when you stand praying. For, why? Because it's hard for you to get your prayers answered if you're not walking in forgiveness. Faith works by love. Go back to Galatians. You see this. You know, and, and in verse in Matthew 5.23, you're not too far away. Matthew 5.23. I think that's the wrong verse. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Matthew 5.23. I don't... What? Well, that's not exactly the verse I was after. I've written something down wrong. Because what I've gotten written down, whatever verse this is, says go ask forgiveness from one who has something against you. Um, and I'll find it later and give you the right scripture reference. You know, I should have, have double-checked what I typed. But anyway, uh, you know, there are times when you're in strife with somebody for no good reason. If you think you have something against somebody or somebody has something against you, the right thing to do would be to go to them and ask them about it, talk to them about it. Too often we fail to do that, and we could have avoided a long-term unforgiveness situation had we just gone and talked to somebody. Because so many times there are, there are things that happen that are misunderstood on two sides, misunderstood entirely. And so everybody is assuming. Don't assume somebody's motive. You know, what they said may have come across badly, but don't assign motive to what they said. Well, they only said this because of da-da-da. You know, I'm I'm guilty. Everything everything I'm going to tell you tonight, I am still working on as well. And and there are times when, when... a simple conversation, a simple, honest conversation. What, but that's uncomfortable. Oh, so strife is more comfortable? Strife is more comfortable for you than to go have an honest conversation with somebody. You know, before you have the conversation, ask God to give you wisdom on how to approach that person. What I have found out in, in times past is you can go to somebody like this. I I don't think you really, you know, this is the way I took what you said, but I don't really think you meant for it to come across that way, did you? Is that confrontational? 
No. You know, take it from a standpoint of this was my perspective. Don't, well, you said so and so, and you meant this and you meant that. Don't do that. Come at somebody by saying, listen, this is how I, this, when you said that, this is how it came across to me. This is how it felt like to me. This was the way I perceived this. Did you, is that what you meant? Sometimes somebody will say, well, yeah, I did mean that. And sometimes somebody will look and say, I know I had no intentions of saying such a thing. I really never meant to say it. I, I never meant to hurt your feelings. I never meant, I didn't intend. It just came out wrong. Has any, have you ever said anything that just came out wrong? Have you ever had an occasion where so many pressures have been on you that somebody came across your path who did one little thing and you went off on them? And it really didn't have anything to do with them as much as it had to do with the pressure that you were letting yourself be under. You know, assume that someone else may have that same thing going on. You know, there was, there, I've had a couple of situations where I, I've just, somebody's been very, very, very ugly. You know, and I just had to step back and go, they must be having a bad day. I happen to be the, the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, or the, the little spark that lit the match, you know, but I don't think, I don't think that what just happened between us really was, was all of that, you know, it's, a good conversation. You know what you can do in a situation like that? Go back to him and say, are you okay? Are, are you okay? Is everything okay? I mean, you're just not acting like yourself. I, I, know, I know that's not the real you. You know, what can I do to help you? That diffuses a situation. Doesn't Proverbs say a soft answer turns away wrath? We should find more soft answers. And, and if, we, if we do, then we won't have situations that get blown out of proportion that can affect us for a lifetime. And do you know there are, have been times when people have had those kind of situations that unresolved went on for years and years and years. A simple stop, take stock of the situation, take a deep breath, go, you know, I, I'm not going to take offense at this. I am not going to get in strife with this person. I'm going to go see what I can do to help them because obviously it's obvious that they need something. Something's going on. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just sometimes you might be the key for that person to deal with a situation that's, that's really they're struggling with. You might be able to help them just because you, were, you came to them with a soft answer and a concern for them out of a pure heart saying, I, I, you know, I don't know what just happened, but can, can, can we talk about this? Are you okay? There have been times when there, I've, I've had uh, you know, conversations with people that, that devolved into something very strifeful. And, you know, just like any human being, I felt very, could, could feel very justified in that situation, what happened. But let me ask you this. When you stop and consider those kind of situations, ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it for me to, to be, feel like this? Is it worth it? I have so, times, at times, you know, had to go back in a situation and say, listen, 
you know, what just happened, you know, it could have been dealt with better. It could have been handled better. But I'm not willing to give the enemy an opportunity to come in and bring division between the two of us. I'm not going to give him a foothold here. And so I just want you to forgive me. Sometimes you have to forgive, ask forgiveness for what you said. Sometimes you have to ask forgiveness from that other person for how you said it. There's been many a time that what I said was fine, but how I presented it was very bad. You know, so, so you need to look at this. The, the ongoing, lasting effects of, of unforgiveness in your heart, is it worth it? Or is restoring and maintaining a relationship with that person more valuable to you than your few moments of self-justification? You know, forgiveness is, is another area that sowing and reaping comes into play. Go with me to Luke 6.37. Now, we love to read verse 38. It says, give, and it should be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. But read the previous verse. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given. Well, let's just take verse 37 and bleed it into verse 38. Well, how about we give forgiveness? If I, if I give forgiveness, forgiveness is going to be given back to me. If I give patience, patience is going to come back to me. If I give mercy, Mercy is going to come back to me. I would like to have it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What you expect, how you expect someone else to treat you, give that to them. Give some, well, they always do this. Don't use always and never with somebody when you're in strife. Don't do that. Never use the word never, okay? Now, that's a good way to use never. But never use what you never this or you always do this. Don't do that. You're assigning motive when you do that. Don't, don't do that. You have already, you've already pushed them and, and locked them into a box that says they can't change. Listen, when we give mercy, when we give grace, we can expect that I want to have grace extended to me when I need grace because there's many times I need grace. God's grace is great toward me. You know, and I, and, I, and I love that, and I expect that. But he expects me to offer that same grace to somebody else. When you and I are operating like that and we're ministering grace to each other, the world is a wonderful place. But, you know, it, it's sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, if you sow unforgiveness, you'll reap unforgiveness. If you sow strife, you'll reap strife. If you sow envy, you'll reap envy. These are not the things that you want hanging around. And you don't want them hanging around now or ever. 
And it's, it's just a good opportunity, you know, to, to take stock of these things. Matthew 18, you know, it's, it's, it says, Lord, how often do I forgive my brother? <laughs> you know, we, we'd like to have a number on it sometimes. Lord, can I, I can get to 10. Can I, can, I just, can I do just 10? No, 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 no. The whole premise here is as often as he needs forgiving, that's how often you forgive. And you say, well, you know, they do it constantly, often, you know, repeatedly. Well, fine, just, you know, keep forgiving them. You keep praying for them, too, so that one day change will begin to take place. Um, Luke 17 also says the same thing. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Isn't that wonderful news? But again, it's sowing and reaping. Listen, um, you know, we've already talked about the fact that if someone does something to you, you know, you go to them. In Matthew 18, 15, it says, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between the two of you alone. You know, you don't have to get everybody else involved in it. You know, if, if somebody has personally wronged you, go to them, you know, and, and be in, you know, be in a, a place of prayer before you go so that the situation is handled correctly and get it straight. Be the bigger person if necessary. You know, even Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And honestly, sometimes we, we, we don't like to think it, but there are sometimes people who just do things to hurt us that they don't have any clue what they're doing. They don't know that that's, that has hurt you. Sometimes we can be overly sensitive in some areas, you know, and then somebody comes along and they, says, they say something and it just, it just hits that spot. You ever had one of those spots? You know, just, it's just a sore spot. You know, and somebody came along and they, mm, <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. And uh, sometimes it happens in church. And sometimes it happens when somebody's in the pulpit. You know, something they say just rubs somebody the wrong way. You know, if, if the cameras were on sometime on a congregation, there are certain subjects when they come up and certain things that are said that, ooh, if there was a candid camera shot right then, you could, you could see it. Mm, you, hit a, you hit a nerve with that one. You know, the best time to, to when if, if it hits a nerve, the best thing you can do is just say amen. Nobody will know you it's bothering you. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother, preach it. You know, nobody knows, you know, and they think you're all gung-ho and with it here. But it's, um, it's not, those are the kind of things that are meant to help you, not hurt you. The word is here to, to take those things and uncover those things. So don't be mad at the, at the, at the giver of the, of the good news, you know, when you're in, in church be grateful that God had them say that so that you can identify that area and do something about it. Don't get mad at the pastor for what he just said because he's picking on me. Listen, I can guarantee you when you get in the pulpit, you mean you don't even, you don't even know who's here. I have had, had so many times we've had conversations about certain things that have been said from the pulpit and go, I didn't even know that person. I, I, you know, if I had realized that person was there, I might not have said what I said, but I didn't. It was not said, it was not said as a direct assault on them. You know, it just came out. And that's the way it ought to be. You know, nobody should take the pulpit as a place to, uh, 
manhandle people, you know, or push a point. Sometimes points need to be pushed, but you don't do it from that, for that purpose. You do it because the Spirit of God is leading you to it. And sometimes just things just come out, and later you go, I can't believe I said that. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. You know, you just go on. You know, but here's the deal. Unforgiveness hurts you more than it hurts anybody else. Unforgiveness keeps you from having the relationship you need to have with the person that you've got unforgiveness toward. You're, you're, you're being robbed of that relationship. You're being robbed of the benefit that person could be to you, of the blessing they could be in your life, for the gift that they are to you, for the, for the, the wonderful things God could put into your life through them. You're being robbed. You know, if you leave unforgiveness alone long enough, it leaves you open for condemnation at some point. It leads you into bitterness. Uh, Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Verses 14 and 15, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, New King James says, carefully, lest any man fail or forfeit of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many may be defiled. Which, that word defiled can also be translated as poisoned or contaminated. Listen, you don't want to get bitter because you can't forgive somebody. If there's ever been, I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, people talk about dysfunctional families and that kind of stuff. And people who come from dysfunctional families are really um, at a disadvantage when it comes to dealing with this kind of stuff because they've got things, so many things to overcome. Um, and the enemy knows that, and he will play on that. You know, there have there have have been a lot of situations I've heard of, known of, you know, been personally been made aware of, where there was f- such dysfunction in a family that parents and children didn't have a relationship, they didn't have any fellowship, and 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 even after even after maybe they've gone to heaven, you know, you still got, there, there's, there's, a, there's an attitude of unforgiveness there. You can't let go of things. Listen, even if a person has gone on, you need to forgive them. Just if, if they passed away, that doesn't alleviate your responsibility to forgive them. You, you have to walk into forgiveness because that thing is a, is a place, it's a root of bitterness that the enemy can get a hold of and cause havoc in your life. It'll keep you from enjoying all the blessings that God wants you to have. You know, you can, you can let this thing eat at you physically. You can let it eat at you emotionally. You can let it eat at you spiritually. Is it worth it? Why give unforgiveness such control over your life? And that's what it is. It's control. And it's not under your control. 
when you let that thing take her up, take and spring up in as root of bitterness. But you can take control back by you can forgive that person. You can walk into a new place in life by letting go of those physically, consciously, actually, and definitively forgiving that person. You know, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to hold on to it. It's just not worth it. You know, that's what I kept thinking this afternoon. Is it worth it to hang on to that? Is it worth it? Letting yourself be robbed of all that you could be enjoying, is is hanging on to that unforgiveness worth it? It's not. You can't tell me it's worth it. But, you know, we just need sometimes to just stop and look at it in that kind of a light. Okay? This is what I can hang to. I can, I can hang on to my feeling of self-righteousness. I can hang on to my, my feeling that I'm justified. I can, I can hang on to this. I can hang on to this. I can hang, or I can let it go, and I can see God work. You know, there, I know in spite of these kind of things, you know, we, we all experience blessing. But do we experience blessing to the, to the degree that we could if we walked in the kind of forgiveness that we should be walking in. You know, and there are times when we're, we have, we've lived with something for so long that we don't identify it as unforgiveness anymore. It's just become such a part of us, you know, that we just, we just look at it and we just go, well, that's just the way my life was. And, you know, we're real bitter about that kind of stuff. And, and if it's bitter, it's unforgiveness. If there's bitterness... It's unforgiveness. That's really what it is. And that needs to be dealt with. It needs to be pulled up so that you can walk on. God's got some things for you out there that you'll never lay hold of until you do get rid of that. You know, sometimes we have to forgive by faith. <laughs> it's not easy always to let it go because we want, we want to be justified. We, 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 I mean, you know, when we've really literally been done wrong, we want to hang on to that. We, we, we want to just say, yeah, I mean, I, that was unfair. It wasn't right. But you still have to let it go. You know, Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not just ordinary love. It's God's love. That's already in me. The capacity for me to forgive is already in me. I just have to access it, lay hold of it, bring it to the forefront let it have its perfect work. Love can have its perfect work in me. You know, if the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart, then I can shed it towards somebody else. And if, and if I have to, then I just say, Father, this is a faith project. I forgive this person by faith. And every time that person's image, their name, a thought, anything comes up. Thank you, Father. I have forgiven them. I have forgiven. And when the enemy gets on your shoulder and says, you can't do it because this was just too massive a thing. It was too big. You go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. You can't move ahead until you get past some of this stuff. You can, you can claim divine aid in forgetting the hurt. Listen, you're not going to literally forget But what you can do is you can forget the hurt, the anger, the desire for retribution. That's what you can forget. 
it can become just nothing more than just a memory. I, I recall in, in 1983, you know, when almost every person that started the church here with us walked out on us because there was this, there was this war over who was going to have control of the church, whether it was going to be these people or whether it was going to be the pastor. And we believe around here that the pastor is the head of the church. You know, if he loves his people, he will not abuse them. And if the people love him, they will let him do, you know, run the church as God, as God leads him. But, you know, in the middle of all that, you should be praying for him. Uh, my mother-in-law one time was, and she's in heaven, she won't mind me saying this, was just going on and on and on and on about her pastor, about how bad this and how, what he was doing wrong. And what, da, da, da. I said, have you ever thought about praying for him? And she looked at me and the conversation was over. You know, but I mean, that, back, that incident back in 1983, it was, it was personally hurtful. Things were being said. Things were being done that were so far from the truth. I mean, they were being accused of things. Well, they, they'll do this, and, and, and he'll do that. And, and you're going, have, we ever, has, have, have you ever had any occasion to even think that was even a possibility? No, our lives have been an open book. And for almost a year, that thing really hurt me. And it took me a year to finally say, God, I have to let go of this. It, had, it was so bad. I mean, I... These were people who were dear and dear to my heart, you know, who had suddenly become my enemy. And, and it hurt deeply, and it was hard to get past. I, 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 had, an, I had a problem with that, and, and we would talk about the injustice of it all, and, and, we'd, and, and, we'd, and we'd let it go, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're just not going to talk about it. And, you know, a few days would go by, and something would come up, and we'd go, and yeah, and we'd start all over again. And that's what kept this thing going. You've got to stop at some point and let it go. And I'm telling you what, a year, it took me a year to finally let go of the hurt that was involved in that situation. And after that, anytime I saw them, anytime I talked about them, anytime I even thought about them, it was not with anger. It was not with hurt. It was not with resentment. It was, I need to pray for them. They, they just, they just got blinded by something, you know, and, and, and they, and they gave into it and, they just went down the wrong path. And, you know, I don't want them to suffer. And so we found ourselves, you know, praying for them and their families that they would prosper and do well. And, and you know, that's, that's something we'll, I'll just wait to get into till next week. Um, but remember, you know, that, that faith without works, if you're going to believe God and you're going to use your faith to get past the unforgiveness, you're going to forgive by somebody by faith, your faith has to have corresponding actions. It means that you have to love them, bless them, do good for them, and pray for them. So that we'll get into a little bit more of that next week. Amen. Hallelujah. I know this is not earth-shattering news here, you know, glory to God, shout and stuff. But I'm telling you what, it'll change your life. It will change your life. It might, it might unplug some of the stoppage in your life. Some of the, you know, sometimes pipes get clogged up and they have to be, you have to get a roto-rooter and clean them out. This might be the spiritual roto-rooter that you need. So anyway, good night. We love you. We'll see you Sunday.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.